Welcome to Places, everyone. I'm Lonnie Firestone. I have a few updates that I'd like to share. In the fall, I published three episodes called the Schoolgirl series. They were part of a semester-long club that I created at a Maryland high school called JDS. The club, titled the Theater Artist and Interview Series, was an attempt to give students a multifaceted lens into plays by contemporary Black playwrights. By blending discussion and analysis of two brilliant plays, and first-person interviews with professional actors who brought those plays to life. One of the plays we studied was School Girls by Jocelyn Bio, and the students prepared wonderful interview questions for cast members from the New York and Chicago productions. If you haven't checked out the School Girls episodes, I encourage you to go back and take a listen. The experience of creating the Theater Artist and Interview series inspired me to expand the program to make it viable for more schools. In January, I teamed up with theater artist Kendall Pinckney. We're now co-directors of the newly formed Exploring Black Narratives program. We brought the program to two more schools this winter, and the interview you're about to listen to was recorded in a session with Shalhevet High School in Los Angeles. At Shalhevet, we brought the program into the English curriculum and taught the play Pipeline by Dominique Mariso to the entire 11th grade. I give credit to English teacher Namit Nagel, who had the vision to incorporate exploring Black narratives into her curriculum. This winter, Kendall and I received our first grant, and we've consulted with several additional high schools on bringing our program to classrooms in a curriculum-based model. In March, I wrote an article about the program for American Theater Magazine. If you'd like to read it, look for the link in today's episode description or on my Instagram page. And now for today's episode, an interview with actress Heather Velasquez, who played Jasmine at the world premiere production of Pipeline at Lincoln Center Theater in New York. If you're not yet familiar with the narrative of Pipeline, here's an overview of the play and a glimpse into the character of Jasmine. Pipeline centers on a public high school teacher named Naya, whose own teenage son, Omari, attends a private boarding school. Omari and his girlfriend, Jasmine, are among the only students of color at their school. When we meet them, Omari is about to leave school. He's been suspended after an incident in class in which his white teacher singles him out repeatedly as a black student, and Omari physically pushes back. Jasmine is understandably worried about the consequences for Omari, and because she's in love with him, her desire to shield him is wrapped up in her need to keep him around. While Jasmine and Omari's relationship is intense, Jasmine's presence on stage is filled with humor. She's tough-talking but vulnerable, and though she's on stage only a short amount of time, she's an unforgettable character. I hope you enjoy this thoughtful interview. We talked about code-switching, drawing on younger versions of oneself, and finding humor in the midst of anger. Here are students from Shalhevet High School and actress Heather Velasquez. Hey guys, how are you? Hi, welcome. So Heather, thank you so much for joining us. Today's questions are so good. Thank you so much for your great contributions. And I'm just gonna group them sort of by category so that we can have a flow of the interview today. And I will cue the next interviewer so you know when to come in. 
I'd like to bring up the the topic of how Jasmine and Omari's relationship propels so much of this play. The way that Omari is dealing with the, the enormous conflict of how to handle a situation in class is either helped or hindered by advice that Jasmine gives and the kinds of desires that she has to keep him around. I want to call on Talia with a question about their relationship. Yeah, I said, do you think that Omari needed Jasmine as much as Jasmine needed him? Yeah, I selfishly, I want to say yes, right? Because like, I want to matter in his world. <laughs> but I don't, I think we both did matter to each other in that moment. And I think I was the only person he could run to and like, ask like, what do I do? And so I feel like we did mean those things for each other, but I also think that we were smart enough to know like this was gonna end somehow and and it ended. But it was a beautiful like first love, I think. Natanel, did you wanna ask something new or jump in with a comment? I wanted to give you a comment about what what I say when Jasmine is always going to Omar if she has like a problem or something. So if let's say Jasmine had a problem, like she went to Omar and like she tells him and like, like she put her heart in it and stuff. But when um, Amari had his own problem, he just ran away from it. And then I'm pretty sure he ended up at his mom's house and like he didn't even go to Jasmine, like tell her like what's the problem and stuff. So just, yeah, pretty much. Right, I, I think I think Nathaniel is noticing that when Omari decided where to actually come back to, he came back to his mom. Yeah, I think that's, ultimately like something really traumatic happened to him. And I think as young like adults, we like push back on our parents. I think at the end of the day, she was the only one that was gonna be there to help him through this. I was a child just like he was, so. And it's not, it's not to say that it meant, it didn't mean that Omari didn't love Jasmine. No, but... no. Right. But maybe, maybe just that you, your parent is the one you need for the most guidance and the one who will ultimately guide you out of the, the deep conflict that you're in. So one thing that we talked about last week was the idea that Jasmine is not the central A story character. She supports and propels the A story. Yeah. And even though her role is not the the most central of the tension of the play, it really informs and, en and enlightens it so much. Mm -hmm. And I wanna turn it now to Jacob, who has a question about the scope of Jasmine's character. Hi, I'm Jacob. Do you, Heather, think that Jasmine should have been shown more as a main character of the play, less or, or perfect as it was? I think it was perfect as it was, just because like Lonnie just said, the, the story's not about her. I was able to throw in some laughs here and there, which I think a lot of the time the play needed because it got so serious. And so I feel like I was able to throw in the laughs as much as, as much as needed. <laughs> uh, Liad actually has a question about the humor in the show. Liad, go ahead. Okay, so despite Jasmine's comedic behavior, she has this understanding for what's going on with Omari. And so while acting, how did you try to show Jasmine's depth while still making jokes? So 
that's always like the hardest thing as an actor. Like they always say like crying's easy, making someone laughs like really hard. And it's always like the hardest thing to do. And when you get a script like that, like this, like pipeline that's so well-written, it's easy while you're like, just like sifting through to see like where those funny moments are. And so I felt like my job was to say those lines as truthfully as I could in order for it to work. I don't think I ever thought, oh, let me be funny because it's supposed to be funny. I think that we're all funny in our anger. We can all be funny when like we're crying. We can, someone will laugh at us. So I feel like, yeah, it was hard. It was definitely hard, but it was a challenge. And I think it was uh, important to show that some the show the humor in someone's in through someone's emotion did that answer your question <laughs> oh god yeah <laughs> well, i mean the the flip side of that is the display of the anger and i think that for someone who is in two scenes of the play jasmine really showcases the entire human range of <laughs> emotions and so the anger is this flip side it's not like anger is the opposite of, of, like, anger is the opposite of comedy. It's sort of two sides of dealing with it. And Nuria has a question that really gets to that idea. How do you reflect anger in a way that reflects, how do you express anger in a way that reflects love and hope for change rather than resentment and discouragement? That's a good question, because I feel like if you were to write down the word anger, in your head like what do you picture like you picture someone like yelling or like throwing something out a window and i think there's different types of anger i think that the way we show anger can be in different ways for her i think it was angry because she wanted to feel heard and she wasn't being heard and so that was her anger i don't think it was necessarily an anger where I mean, definitely you could see it, like an audience could see that she was deeply angry inside, but there was also a way that Dominique wrote these lines that were so beautifully written where nothing that I could do as an actor with my face or my body could change the meaning of what she had written on that page. And I think that that's a testament to her skill and her voice and what she wanted to, to be told. So it's hard. It's hard not to show people when you're angry. That's like a really hard thing to do. So I think that's always going to come out as an actor. You choose, pick and choose the moments that you show that anger to people. And, and I think one thing that you do so well, Heather, is in the scene where you are confronting Naya the comedy and the anger are right there in the same moment. Yeah. Like when you when you sort of like curse her out and then you're like, I hope you heard that I said, excuse my language. There's the, the, <laughs> the ability for the audience to laugh in the same moment that they understand what you're going through and what you're feeling. Yeah, because um, that happens in real life, right? I mean, it happens in real life all the time. <laughs> so I want to turn to the idea of the environment in which we find Jasmine and how she knows Omari and the environment that kind of nurtures their relationship and also presents the factors that they have to kind of grapple against. I'm gonna turn it to Benny who has a question about that environment. Hi, I'm Benny. And my question was, 
I wanted to ask Jasmine if maybe she went to a school where she and Armari were comfortable, would she still willingly choose to be in a relationship with him? And like, is their connection solely based off of like their circumstances? Yeah, so their relationship obviously is based on their circumstances because they're the only two kids of color stuck in the school, right? But I also, I've thought about this before too, but I also thought their connection is so much stronger than their relationship just at the school that I always felt like I'd be in love with him anywhere because he's Omari and yeah. And it's like the little things, right? Like we connect on this science class thing. And so it's not just the school and us being kids of color. It's like, it's something else that we relate. So I always took it as we related on other things, but that just happened to be like, the big one. Caleb, can you share your question about the, the mentality behind all that? My question was, I was wondering how, what, how exactly you tap into those emotions that you need to play the part, because there was obviously really tense scenes where like you're about to cry or screaming or angry. And I feel like normally for somebody like me, trying to tap into those type of mo emotions would be really difficult. And uh, that was the thing that like really stuck out to me. I was really wondering how exactly do you do it? Like, what did you tap into? Uh, uh, every night I kind of had like a ritual that I would do. I'd sit backstage in my dressing room for about an hour and a half and I'd do my makeup and I'd do my hair. And while I was doing that, it was just like running through there's certain things in my life that have happened to me when I was Jasmine's age that through the rehearsal process, I was able to like tap into. And so not every moment, but like those moments that you're talking about that are like really emotional and really intense. I think there's always a call and response to something that's happened in my life, whether it was like, it could be a death in my family that triggered me to feel something. And so when I would do a certain scene I would do that first scene with Amari and he was leaving it's kind of like it was like a recall like oh this is what made me feel sad this time and and so put me in that mindset of like this is where we're going but it was also a lot of like meditation and calmness before and just I had done it so many times we had all the actors we had done this so many times that at that point it was like muscle memory and yeah, emotions are really tricky on stage too, because you don't want them to like overbear you and you don't want to be crying to where you can't say your lines anymore. So a lot of those things, you, you have to like experience them and give them space to live in your body and then know when to shut those off. It's the nature of the game, I guess. It's like acting. Well, the wondering where you come from with ideas to then bring to a character uh, came up a lot in the questions that people had for you. And our next two questions are along those lines as well. First is Barbara, who is a super fan with the next question. <laughs> Hi. Um, <laughs> my question was, did you take any inspiration while playing Jasmine from your own personal life? But you, I think you answered that from Caleb's question by like tapping into some of the things that happened to you. Yeah. Yeah. But I can, I mean, it's a different question. So yeah, I, I'm a lot older than this character and this is like now three years later. So I'm, I'm a lot older now. <laughs> so, so I think that 
like I did say before, there's things in life that like do trigger you. For me, when I was your age and you guys are in high school, when I was your age, like I was a wild kid, man. I was Jasmine. Like that's who I was. And I grew up in Miami, Florida. And so I grew up in a really like poor neighborhood. And it's just kind of like the way I spoke, the kind of the way that my friends spoke. And so as I got older and went to college and learned how to like tone myself down and like learn how to talk to people, which somebody had a code switch question, this like total code switch, right? So like you learn how to deal with people around you and your surroundings. But I took a lot from my younger self and then put it into my older self. And then I combined those two, if that makes sense, and then created this wild person. But she's not wild. She's like actually a really beautiful character, but you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, Eva had the question that is complimentary to that. Go ahead, Eva. Okay. My question was, how have you had to code switch in your own life? Similarly to like how Jasmine has to code switch in the play. And also like how has your own personal experience as like a person of color played into your role as Jasmine? So code switching is like something we do every single day of our lives. Like you guys are all code switching now. I'm sure you don't act like this at home when your teachers are not around. <laughs> I'm sure you don't act the same way when your parents are around, right? So like that in it of itself is like code switching. And I think that I've had to do that a lot in my life. Like I said, I used to talk a certain way and then I wanted to become an actress. And in order to become an actress, you got a code switch. And so <laughs> one of the things that I learned very like early on was like how to adjust like my speech in certain areas so that I could connect with everyone, not just one certain type of people. And I think it's important. It's important for all of us. And uh, it's hard. It's super hard to have to do that stuff. Like, cause sometimes you're not, you, you don't want to do it. Sometimes you're not in the mood to like pretend because it feels like you're pretending to be or feel right. But it's what makes us who we are. And it's also what makes us special to other people and what makes other people want to talk to us. I think one of the amazing things about the code switch question, and, and Eva, thank you for asking it, is that when you have two students who are of color, but they're of different races, mm -hmm. and they're in the mostly white school, there's an assumption that they'll be able to go into their code switch with one another, when in fact they have their own cultural identifications and specificities and different backgrounds. And so... There's a tendency when you have like a small number in a larger group to assume like, well, you'll understand each other. And it's yeah. the exact same mistake that Omari's teacher makes when he's like, well, you must understand. Yeah. And yeah. I think what's, I think what Pipeline brings up in such a really brilliant way is that when, when, we, when you meet somebody and you don't necessarily know a lot about their background or their race or their religion or their gender identity, and it, you're very quick to make an assumption without having asked a question or gotten to know them or eased in. And that the assumption is you probably will get it wrong. And that if you allow it to kind of process itself in a natural way without putting somebody heavily on the spot, you'll learn something interesting about them and you'll learn that you maybe had a wrong immediate assumption. The need to code switch is based on the fact that you're worried people won't understand you. Yes. 
Can I quickly explain what code switching is just before we continue talking about it? Just, I just want to make sure students know what we're what we're talking about because it's so important. Code switching is when you change the way you speak depending on which audience you're talking to. I mean, it's much more complicated than that, and it comes up a lot with race. But you could talk about code switching even like uh, remember when we had um, the story slam and you guys, some of you had a conversation in the chat, and I did not know what you were talking about because you were talking as friends, you were talking casually, you were like had all your inside jokes. This is not a way. This is not a way you would email me, which was totally fine and appropriate. But it was like the way you talk with your friends is different than the way you talk to me. The way you email me, you're automatically code switching in the sense that you're you would address me more formally right it's just you change your style of speech that's it on a very basic level so I just have a question is that okay yeah okay so I know you spoke a bit about how you imagine that Jasmine was from Harlem so you could get a better idea of like her adolescence but did you at all speak with the playwright to Jasmine's childhood life and like family life yeah, we kind of had talked about at the beginning of like the process, we had talked about it being because we were in New York. So we had talked about it being like a school in New York. I didn't, like I said earlier, I didn't grow up in New York myself, but I lived there for a couple of years. And so we did, we did talk about what neighborhood we thought it would be. And we did talk about a couple of schools like Fernbrook that were a little more upstate. So it was easier for me to see like, I had done that commute before, like going upstate on the train. And so like I could picture Jasmine like grabbing her luggage to go to school for a couple of weeks and taking that train ride and what that would have felt like. So it was easier for me to see it that way because I had experienced that than to say, oh yeah, Jasmine's from this school in you know Miami where I'm from, because that doesn't make any sense to me. I, she wasn't written that way, the way I've first read it. So I don't know. Did that answer your question? Yeah, yeah most definitely. Answered. Thank you. Josh, I'd like to bring in your question now about thinking on the Heather's performances generally. Yeah. Hi. What was your uh, favorite scene that you performed and why? I have two favorite scenes, but like really, really my favorite, favorite scene was the one with Naya, because I think that I got to like really play like a ton of stuff where like, I think that as an actor, like it was just so fun because like one minute I was like sassy and the next minute I was scared and the next minute. So I was like always on, like I was always on my toes in that scene. So that was, that was really my ultimate favorite scene. And also, yeah, working with Karen was like amazing. She's awesome. <laughs> That's Karen Pittman who played Naya in the Lincoln Center performance that you saw. Oh, we had a question from from Michael about what the audience experience is. Yeah, my question was, what do you think is the most important thing that the play teaches the audience? Oh, man. That's like a lot. So the theater was in a, in a round, basically. So we had an audience all around. And my boyfriend came to see the play like maybe nine times <laughs> and he saw it from different angles every time and he told me that every time he saw the show he got a different message from it depending on what side of the play he was watching it from like what what angle of the theater he was watching it from and then I also got this from doing some of the other talkbacks I did after the show I also found that 
depending on what age range you were in, you experienced the show in a different way. But I think for me, because I did play Jasmine, for me, it was always about like acceptance and learning how to accept, accept people for who they are, how they speak, how they look. And, and I think I always just saw it that way and I wanted people to see it that way. I think Jasmine always wanted to be accepted. And I think that, yeah, that was like the lesson that I, I guess I was trying to teach to the audience. Yeah, that's great. Thank you. Those are actually the questions that we had designated for today. And thank you so much, Heather, for, for getting to all of them and answering them so beautifully and so honestly and so generously. I always think it's so cool to speak to the performer who makes the character come alive. And I think we're all very grateful to you for spending some time with us today. I learned so much and I, I know everybody here did as well. And we really, your performance was also so beautiful. Thank you so much. And I really, really, really appreciate you guys like uh, bringing me on here. And I appreciate all of you guys for listening. And this is like really cool. And I'm so glad that like I get to do this. Yeah. Everyone stick around for a little bit. And Heather, hope to see you in whenever we can catch you next. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Oh, we'll see, and I'll see you tomorrow next class, right? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Bye. Bye, y'all. Okay, everyone. Tell me some some of your thoughts, impressions, and things that you're taking away, especially if you didn't have a chance to ask a question. What are some of the thoughts that you were thinking about and, and taking away from this interview? Talia. My main takeaway was just seeing the perspective of an actor or actress that played the character that we're seeing. It was extremely interesting because I'm a student and I'm looking at it from a student's perspective in school. And to see Heather's point of view was just extremely interesting to me. Thank you. Bailey. It was really interesting to me hearing her talk about like as Jasmine, because she's the only one who like I guess, lived as her, if that makes sense. So hearing her talk about her relationship with Omari in those like two hours or whatever was really cool to me. Great. Barbara. Wow, that was great. That was probably like fangirl moment right there. And when you guys told her I was like a super fan and she's like, oh my gosh, thank you. I was like, whoa, okay. <laughs> But yeah, I loved it. And I loved hearing how she could take things from her own personal life. And I liked hearing the backstory and how she like channeled her emotion into the play while not like doing too much emotion, but not like stoic so that she could have like the perfect performance that she did during the play. That's awesome. Thank you, Barbara. I hope it's okay that I said that. <laughs> it's okay. Don't worry. Henry. It was interesting to hear how she spoke about how she made the character sort of what it is, because obviously we watched the final product of what Jasmine is part of the play, and there's a, like a script already, but she was talking about incorporating both her younger self and her older self into one character, and like obviously there's the script of what Jasmine is, but she really brought it to life using her own personal life, which was interesting to see like just how much power that can have as an actress, how it totally changed how we view the character, hearing how she like brought it to life. I think that's a, an amazing insight, Henry. And just the ability to look back, if you're a few years out of high school and you're playing someone who's high school age, 
you have a kind of ability to have the, the retrospective of how you were and get into the channeling of some of those idiosyncrasies while still having the sophistication of an older actor. That's great. Amanda. I actually think that knowing that Heather took parts of like her personal life into Jasmine and like put it into Jasmine actually made it like a lot better. I think that it makes it like real. Like, of course, like you can watch something and they can say it's like based off a true story or even if it's not, but to have like a living, like a person that we just spoke to, like actually have experienced that in her life. It just makes it something we can relate to like one step closer. I think that's so great, Amanda. And it also speaks a lot to casting because sometimes when someone casts, let's say you cast a white actor to, uh, or actress to play Jasmine, this person might have amazing acting capability, but they might not be able to bring to it a certain authenticity that someone with, with Heather's background can. Other thoughts about what you heard and what you were inspired by? Ethan? I mean, I just really found it cool, her answer to my question. Like, I found it cool how she associated a certain area or, like, a certain town, and she, like, lived through that. She, like, kind of remembered her experiences and tried to apply to Jasmine and imagined her sitting on that very bus and imagined her, like, going through all those experiences to, like, determine what her personality and, like, I don't know, past would bring her. Absolutely. And part of why I chose this play for this for this program and why I introduced it to Miss Nagel is because it is set against the backdrop of high school. The characters' ages are the same as your ages. And the idea of that that Omari and Jasmine experience of feeling you feel adult, you feel independent, but you also are not living on your own. You're not 100% independent, certainly not financially but emotionally you feel like you're on the brink of independence. All of those feelings are so enormous at this age. And that to me seems like a very profound universal idea. Our next session, we're going to talk all about Naya. So we haven't really delved into her because we've been dealing with the, the teenagers. But in our next session and in our, our next interview after that, we'll talk about what that side of it is, the side that worries, that wants to care, that wants to protect so thank you all for your time today. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to Places Everyone on iTunes or Spotify. And follow me, Lonnie Firestone, on Instagram. Podcast production and original music by Cody Crabb. Artwork by Jennifer Klockner. See you next time.